Hey everyone, welcome to the third part of our conversation about anti-racism. Uh, if you're just listening to this episode, there's two parts to listen to first. The first one is about the talk, what is anti-racism when we say anti-racism. The next part is about the work. When we say doing anti-racism work, we, in that second part, really hope to make it concrete, to talk about what, what, what is it, what does it look like, what are we doing? In this third part, we want to talk about the, the goals, um, uh, the things that we're heading towards that are making us hopeful uh, so that as we do this work, we feel sustained uh, uh, and are able to achieve uh, those goals. So hope you enjoy this third part. Well, Doc, Doc and, uh, and Bruce, you're, 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 you're generating a hopeful tone and, and we're getting close to the end of the, uh, uh, the hour we set. So I wonder if we can go around and, 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 and contribute to that hopeful tone. That might be a cool way to, to, to go out. Oswaldo, as you look forward, what are you, what are you feeling hopeful about, energetic about, energized by, um, any of that stuff? To be honest, I'm energized by my kids. I think the, uh, you know, what some people that know me, uh, I always exclaim that the revolution starts at home, right? And that's where it starts. And the, and the revolution starts with love uh, and empathy and patience. And, and so, you know, like I said, uh, um, that's where it starts. I'm, I'm trying to raise two uh, young men that are, that are loving, caring, um, but also social advocates and, and you know, and, uh, being aware of their indigenous strength and and uh, love for others, so uh, that's that's where I'm at. And so for me, that that I'm always looking for a community, right? And and so for me, it's it's that my my family community, right? My outside community, my academic community, right? And so that's what I'm getting very hopeful with 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 Doc and, and Bruce, and because this is my other community, right? And so it's building that community and having that that revolution inside your family, inside your community, and, and just having love and connection and support from each other, that in itself, it radiates power to the rest of us, right? And so uh, I'm all about that. So thank you for that inspiration. And, and you know, I wanna continue to work with you all and, and please, uh, you know, if you have any questions, you need something, you need support. I mean, this is our privilege. This is, I'm using my privilege here to be able to communicate this with y'all. And, and, you know, I feel like that is part of my responsibility and kind of like what uh, Chad said earlier, right? This is my active uh, anti-racist work right now is just being in community with y'all and sharing a little bit about me. And I don't expect any, you know, all of you to agree, uh, but it's just, this is my work, right? Even simple conversation, a simple, you know, uh, view into my home, whatever it is, uh, it's community. And I feel like that's where we, that's what we need to go back to, you know, into our community. So thank you all for being part of my community and um, and you're welcome to join my community any day, anytime. Everybody's snapping and nodding on the Zoom right now. I just want to say that. <laughs> Can I jump in with what I'm hopeful for? Please do, Sean. Yeah, so I'm hopeful because we're going through a tremendous amount of change right now. And with this distance learning that's happening um, for, the, for the fall, for sure, and, and not knowing what's going to happen beyond this, I think we have a real opportunity um, to not go back to how things were, but to create something new. And I, I, I'm saying that to everyone who will listen, and that includes the listeners to this, this uh, joint podcast. I, I don't think there's any going back. And I think that that is the wrong mindset to have. There, we had problems with what we were doing before. Mm -hmm. And if we're not gonna take this opportunity 
where we have a real chance to transform and develop something truly innovative in the way that we do our work, in the way that we serve our community, in the way that we want to be anti-racist, equity-minded, whatever language you're gonna use, in the way we're gonna fight for justice, this is it, this is it. Mm -hmm. And I will lose hope if we go back and it feels normal again. Mm -hmm. Chad, how about you, man? So I wasn't prepared to speak about being hope. <laughs> you don't have to. <laughs> Yeah. So bring us back to Earth, Chad. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are you not hopeful about? <laughs> yeah. uh, one thing I want to say, you know, I mean, I just have a lot of things on my mind, obviously, because just thinking about today and preparing for today, I can't help but not have a lot of things on my mind, as I'm sure you all do in this moment. But Oswaldo, I, I want to say thanks for reminding us, you know, that that I don't teach on the main campus. I teach on one of several campuses at Miracosta. You know, I think um, the, the marginalization of different members of our campus community needs to get called out for a number of reasons. And I think that um, I'm, I'm humbled, you know, because I'm definitely guilty of, of just kind of not remembering um, that who's part of this, this community, you know? I know it, but not, I'm not thinking of it as often as I should. So I thank you for that. You know, I mean that. Um, I also wanted to say, you know, I've been reading um, this book by Rob Nixon. He's out of Princeton from South Africa. And his book's called Slow Violence and the Environmentalism of the Poor. And so Nixon's really concerned with like, you know, um, the kind of violence uh, or uh, stuff that's going on in the environment, you know, whether that's deforestation against indigenous communities, aftermath of war, those kinds of things, right? Not the kind of spectacular violence that we see in video games and that we were accustomed to seeing on TMZ or the news and stuff like that. And, and so I've been thinking about that notion as it applies to our work here at the college, you know? And so we, when students don't do well, you know, we talk about like pass rates or completion and stuff like that or drop. And then we're talking about equity, and I love that we're able to talk about it as a kind of euphemism for what for what's going on some of the time. But and so lately, I've just been thinking, like, man, you know, if we if we don't start to collectively uh, uh, become anti-racist, right? If we don't uh, uh, become more equity-minded in all kinds of ways, right? If we don't call attention to systemic racism, we're not failing our students or not passing them or they're not completing like we're continuing to commit slow violence against mm -hmm. our students right and it's like if we just talk about it again this is coming back to the beginning of the conversation you know our use of euphemisms and whatnot but man if we if we use some different terms to talk about the same stuff we've been talking about for a long time and it's going to feel different tomorrow you know it's going to feel different tomorrow and so i guess if there's any kind of hopeful hopeful feeling that I have right now, it's the fact that we started with that idea of calling attention to language at the beginning of this, and we were all immediately on board, and I was like, Sean copied my notes or something, right? <laughs> and so, yeah, I just, I, I'm hopeful that, that we didn't even have to have a lesson on that. We all instantly knew what we were talking about and knew that it needed to get addressed, and so that, that leaves me kind of hopeful for the days to come, like, you know, maybe we should rephrase certain things on our website, you know, and Maybe all college days should look a little different. Yeah. I know. Denise, how about you? 
Um, I'm going to jump on Sean's notion, I think, because as a dystopian and someone who's written about literally a pandemic that destroyed our culture, um, pandemics of history have left entirely new cultures in their wake. Um, things are never the same after a pandemic. And they won't be this time. So I'm hopeful that we can look forward instead of looking back. I don't want to go back to the way things were. I want to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. If I can't travel right now, at least when we land, we can be somewhere else. Mm -hmm. um, and that place hopefully will be a at least marginally less racist place. Mm -hmm. Right on. Thank you. Doc? Doc started the hopeful train. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about this too as it's going around and I, I I I'm in agreement with the sentiments and I'm also ready to soldier up like I'm ready for this particular moment to be ours to seize it to make it our own to um, get creative in our problem solving to get critical in analyzing issues of power and relationships and um, using all the tools in our toolbox um, I think that now is the time and we got to seize that moment, particularly for, as Oswaldo said before, those who we brought into this world. I'm raising a daughter and two black you know, boys who will eventually be black men. I want them to be free. I want them to be able to walk in their own skin and walk in their own voices and to speak their own truth with power um, and to know that that's okay and that they're not going to get gunned down in the street by somebody. That's like, I'm ready to soldier up for that. And I'm looking forward to being able to do that on our campus with so many beautiful collaborators who bring such expertise to the table. That gives me hope. Kerry, nice. you want to jump in with your hope? No, I'm like Chad, I got no hope. I'm totally not sleeping at night. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will say, no, what I'm feeling hopeful is in our leaders. Uh, uh, there's so many uh, leaders in new spaces on our campus, exciting leaders. I feel like right now leadership is so important, almost maybe the most important thing, who's leading and, and where they're leading us. And and part of that too is what I'm feeling we're all saying here is um, the leaders we have are inviting us into real community. That's why I feel like, you know, we had our all college day, a couple college days ago where that was the message, like not this pseudo community stuff, not this call out culture stuff, but real community. Um, and this is going to sound fucking cheesy, but like, I love my colleagues at Miracosta. Like, I love you, my colleagues. And, and I know that's fucking cheesy, but, but it, it, when I walk into a committee and I see people I consider friends or people who I don't know, but they're colleagues, there's this immediate, we can be in deep relationship with each other. We can work through these problems and trust each other. We can argue with each other. We can totally disagree, but let's come at that in good faith you know, loving each other and seeing that the real goal is to is to do this work. And so that's that's where I'm drawing hope is just, you know, you folks. <laughs> you know, for for me, um, I'm just I'm just thinking to myself that as 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 much as I critique and 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 go and and do things and and say the things that I say and and there's no apology in that. And yet at the same time I am very grateful that we have these two books at Miracosta, they anted up, right? Because they could they could have not, right? And so it's like, those are the things that I have to like, 
take in? And is there is there still a lot of process, a little still still a lot of conversation, still a lot of thought, still a lot of doing? Yeah, absolutely. However, this was a amazing first step, and I and I need to acknowledge that, right? And and at the and and also acknowledge, right? It's like with uh, man, I'm telling you, it's like that that uh, that uh, how to be an anti-racist book. It's like. And I, I need to remember is like be hopeful because because uh, conversations are going to happen that I don't think have have may have ever happened in white space and that is the one that I'm thinking of specifically is how segregationists and assimilationists are both still white supremacists at their core. Mm-hmm. Um, I black folks have known this for a long time and we had to grapple with this and other folks colonized folks and everything like that have well I, that's not even the right word in this particular space but I'm just saying other folks have had to deal with that and grapple with that for a long time. And so I think white folks have to like go like, oh shit. <laughs> like I thought being an assimilationist was good and and having to really struggle with what it means to be is to say that our culture, you need to be like us and that we can, you know, and right uh, and whatnot. That's something that I am so like I said, it sounds weird because I know there's going to cause a lot of conflict, but I am so hopeful because of that, because that's going to be the beginning of a very real conversation, right? And very real reflection that's going to happen versus all the superficial, tangential stuff that we're normally, you know, lip service, you know, performative stuff that we that we normally do, right? And I'm like, that by that by itself, that that was worth the price of the book. I mean, for me, like just saying these are. Assimilationists, segregationists, these are white supremacists, but let's start here. And I'm like, whoa, let's go. Let's get this work. Let's go. Let's go. That's what I'm hopeful about. I know it's going to cause, like I said, it's going it's to be, uh, it's, it's going to cause conflict, but it's going to be good conflict because it's going to get us to a more just anti-racist peace, uh, peace, right, at the end of that, right? And so just saying, that's, that's what I'm hopeful for. I actually think one of our episodes, Sean, should be on, I'm an assimilationist, I'm a teacher, and we'll try to figure out what the fuck that means. <laughs> Let's go. I our, like that. Already, a recruitment, yeah. yeah. I'll send out some emails. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, everyone, for being here. Chad, Denise, Doc, Oswaldo, Bruce, Curry, James, Kelly, we see you too, part of the team. Thank you all so much. Great conversation. I do feel community in this space and, and I love y'all too. And, and, th- and, and I just have, I'm just full of uh, gratitude right now for having this conversation after a long Friday with a bunch of meetings as you all, you know, um, have endured. It, it, it's a good way for me to get into the weekend and, and I appreciate it. I hope the listeners appreciate it too. Thanks everybody. Cool. Thank you all. Thank you. Look, the, the word hope is exactly the word that needed to be, uh, you know, the title for this podcast, uh, for this one, because for me, um, being optimistic is a little cheesy. I don't like, <laughs> I don't like the word of saying optimism um, and whatnot, because given our, you know, our history as a nation, I, I would argue, and, and given what's happening socially in all parts of the nation, there's, to me, there's, there's still a lot of uh, room for pessimism <laughs> and, and whatnot. And so, uh, but hope is it comes from an internal space uh, for me, and I'm really genuinely hopeful 
that uh, things on this campus are are moving towards uh, change and and positive change. And I'm telling you, I'm really looking forward to to folks reading, you know, doing the readings that's going on. You know, the I'm I'm reading through, you know, um, how to be an anti-racist right now. And it, like I said, look, it's it's going to be funny because I'm really like. This is so not new. This is so not radical. Um, but it's packaged like it's radical because, and, and I'm like, because to the audience that is going to, right? I mean, let's just be real about it. This is, I mean, white people are reading this and going like, oh my God, anti racist, what a concept, right? And, and that's just real. And it was, when I read that, I'm like, I'm used to thinking it's like, oh, anti-racism is such a radical concept. But when I'm reading it, I'm like, oh, this dude is actually really like middle of the road <laughs> and, and whatnot. And that's not an insult. That's not even, you know, to, to detract anything from what is, what's going on. But um, I'm excited really to to do these readings and, and you know, and having shared discussions and and look, this is actually in my wheelhouse. It's like this is, you know, as a sociologist, you know, sociologist, my expertise is in race and ethnicity. So I'm wondering, you know, where people are going to go and, and, you know, and to, and to continue to challenge and to question. And this is not an indoctrination process. This is a thought process. This is a reflection process, right? And so, you know, that I'm, I'm really looking forward for us to really challenge uh, the spaces where, you know, wh what does it mean? right, to be anti-racist and uh, with just the things that we talk about on this campus and, and how we have the campuses, I'm, I'm going to use the word labeled, right, and in regards to the Community Learning Center, like with, with Alice Waldo. Yep. I, I keep thinking about that part of it, of like Oswaldo and the Community Learning Center and how um, hard it was to, and this is like I said, again, no disrespect, it was like how hard it was to get people on board to go to the community learning center to do the comparative uh, to the the cultural competency conference um, and things like that and that's people who are down with the cause and they was like ooh CLC like how do we see the spaces even on this campus I am really looking forward for us to all be engaging in all of that yeah and and Bruce I share a lot of those thoughts especially because we are in the same discipline and it just makes me think with Kendi's book in particular and how to be an anti racist. I'm always really leery about popular things and trends and when everybody's kind of doing something. And I feel like that's just my job as a sociologist. And, you know, our discipline really always asks us to step back from what's happening, to view it in a way that our personal bias is not going to cloud our vision in seeing what could be problematic about the things that we're engaging in. And with this book, I'm not saying that that book's problematic, but I'm just saying I have particular issues with some of the language he uses. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I was like, oh, this is like, see, it's like, damn, it's like, I just want, I want people to read it and understand it and, and get their own understandings and reflect on it. But I'm like, that don't mean I agree with it. As a matter of fact, there's some very key points in it. I'm like, oh, hell no. No, and you I, didn't just say that. And But at the same time, I'm like, I still want you to read it, though. Because <laughs> if I come in too quick with that, people are going to be I, like, oh, then that means I don't read it, need to read the book. No, read it. Yeah. <laughs> read well, it. I, like, when you read this, you're going to be like, cool. But then some parts you're going to be like, nah, come on. So that that's 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 my reaction. But I feel like right now, pandemic, social unrest, Black Lives Matter, you know, revitalize. I think right now it's one of those things where in our social problems marketplace, 
a lot of people are buying anti-racism and and the the idea of anti-racism whether that translates into real action that's congruent with those principles we'll, we'll see but it, there's a cultural opportunity for someone like kendy to get his message out there and get his book on the new york times bestseller list because as we know these issues are not new they are recycled they come through again and again but they have to be repackaged they have to have new language or else it feels old and we're America, we like new shit. And so this is the new addition of these very old ideas. Yeah, like you said, you know, it, it's stuff we've been thinking about for a while. So for me, um, you know, going back to the, the Q Equity Minded Institute a couple of years ago is where I really felt like my world world was rocked and I, I really started to engage with a lot of this work. And I really appreciate in our conversation that we've said, you know, you got to do the anti-racism part first. You've got to address racism first and then you can get to equity. Then you can start building equity, right? And I appreciate that. But I'll tell you what, reading Kendi's book and, and his, what, you know, his focus on segregation and assimilation that started me rethinking a lot of the stuff. It took me back to that experience at that conference and made me reflect again on just what I do as a teacher in the classroom and then what I do as a chair of a committee to create and recreate a culture in those spaces, right? And how I'm really complicit if that structure is inequitable, right? I'm perpetuating a system. What I'm doing is I am asking my students to assimilate to my discipline, or I'm asking my colleagues on the committee to assimilate to the ethos of that committee. And if I don't take the time to think about how is my discipline racist or perpetuating racism? How is this committee racist or perpetuating racism? If that's not a sort of a, a, a regular reflection, um, then I, I feel like I really risk sort of normalizing again a systemic racist structure um and so like you said you know that, that kendy's book it, it's 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 not new but it's definitely helping me in reading it to, to remind me and and i'll say just just his attitude of uh, or i'll say his consistency in saying this is what racism looks like this is what anti-racism looks like i love yeah. that pairing of yeah. you know this work this work right uh etc uh, etc et that's that's been really helpful for me yeah, you know, and, and I'm just looking forward to, uh, and I know it's like, it sounds weird. It's like, I'm looking forward to where we land 20 years from here, right? From this moment. I think I even, I'm trying to remember if I actually said this in the, in the podcast itself, but it's like, you know, people thought Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was a radical rebel rouser, violence, all of this. Stuff. I mean, all the stuff that they would say in that space. And then, right, 40 years later or so, middle schools are named after him and we we have a whole different like we have a whole ethos set on what dr martin luther king jr said which honestly there's parts of that that i don't agree like how we got there right um and so to but but we needed to have those conversations we needed this time in order to get to this space of talking about equality right like this idea and what that means and they need to settle into us um, although the people that were going through it at the time did not like it <laughs> at all, right? It's like, and, which is very similar to a lot of what's going on right now. And, you know, and I'm hoping that, it, well, I know that if we take this to heart that, you know, the whole colorblind racism thing, that is going to go the way of the dodo, right? Straight up, it's got to go the way of the dodo. There is no way that we can get to where we need to get to as a society and believing that uh, colorblind, the, the colorblind approach is going to get us there. Um, we, we've gone as far as we can go with the colorblind approach, 
Um, like I said, I don't feel like it was an unnecessary step in all of our development, but we need to progress past that now and, and really understand what it means to be colorblind, why we had to be colorblind, and how we cannot stand for that anymore. And we have to grow and continue to grow as people and as a nation um, and develop a different ethos of regards to our color need to be appreciated and respected and seen mm -hmm. now. And what does that mean in an anti-racist approach? Right. And all of that goes back to what Curry was talking about with leadership and how important leadership is and how important the diversity. That, it makes me think of the, the importance of the diversity of leadership, the types of leadership that we have. It's not all just one way. And there's the assimilationist type leadership, right? Where it's, this is what we're doing and you conform to this and we're all going to be okay. But then there's a kind of leadership, and I think about you as a department chair, Bruce, and how you've um, you know, helped me through the very early part of my career, and, and you were a leader in my department, and you gave me freedom, right? You were like, I think he is going to be fine, and you let me do what I wanted to do, and um, you, know, you would give me some guidance and some, some things to think about, but you never told me what to do, and I think that that is your brand of leadership is like, you're like, y'all are grown, y'all were, were hired here for a reason, go, go about your business, go do your thing. And, and I appreciate that kind of leadership, but we also have to recognize that some people, they need the support, they need the education, they, they want to be in these conversations, but that, that takes a different kind of leadership to be responsive to that. And it, you know, I don't want to overuse the word, but that's real equity, right? When you understand how people need to be led and you understand how your leadership has to adapt to the individual that you are leading with. And that's me as a sociologist focusing on the individual. It, it's really important for us to get that. And I think that gives us hope if we can recognize that and to groom our leaders to understand those types of things. Yeah, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, when it comes to leadership, it's like we've been, we've been so, in, nah, I'm going to use the word indoctrinated into a brand of leadership that has to be right all the time and, and all of this and not be vulnerable. And um, I think of like movies where, you know, it's like the, you know, the officer in charge and it's like they, they make quick decisions and even my my favorite shows like Star Trek and stuff like that and how they the decision making process and it's like you know we need a brand of leadership that not only empowers folks um, we need a, a brand of leadership that can that can say hey this is what I think we should do um, and then if it doesn't work say hey we were wrong let's critically think let's 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 take another look at this and see where we can correct course right um, sometimes we may need to pivot like 180, you know, on something because we thought something was going to go this way and it didn't, you know, I, I can say for, for us as leaders to not feel like it's like that failure is, you know, like failure is not an option in the long term, but failure is going to happen as we go. And we need to embrace the process of that uh, versus thinking that, you know, when we, when we start giving recommendations or whatever, or, you know, empowering others to make recommendations, and it's all going to be all fine and dandy, like right there immediately. It's like, look, this is all a growth process for us. And we need to, you know, rebrand what leadership even means within that, con within the way that I'm saying it, right? Um, we don't have, people don't have all the right answers or whatever, but we have to be willing to put answers out there and, 
and try it. And it's like, look, you you come to me about teaching and learning, I'll give you some recommendations. Just don't be surprised if they don't work for you. Yep. Stuff works for me, <laughs> right? But that doesn't mean it would necessarily work for you. But the idea then is to get to a, a space of, of where you're being the best teacher, right, you can be. And um, and that that very well may be very different from what I do, what Sean did, what Curry did, right? It's like, it's, it's all going to be different for a lot of different reasons. And we need to embrace that. We yeah. need to embrace self-discovery and to, and to get into and vulnerability and all that stuff uh, so that we can grow. You know, our Safe Topics podcast, if, if it can play any kind of a leadership role, I'm, I'm hoping that this is the role it can play, right? That um, it's, you know, this notion of a safe topic. We don't mean that in the sense of like, it's it's a trigger topic and we're going to like protect you from it like this is a, a a safe space away from dangerous things it's it's the uh, it's what you're saying bruce it's i actually don't know exactly the right answer to this problem i don't know exactly the right discourse to bring to this issue this is a space where i'm going to hang out with my colleagues who i trust and we're going to listen to each other what's true especially of of um conversations about racism equity uh is we sometimes don't always hear what we think we're saying to each other, right? And, and we need that moment where we can sort of, I think I'm hearing you say this. Are you saying this? Or I, I didn't really mean to say it that way. Let me, let me say it this way, right? So a space where we can hear each other um, um, and, and trust each other, right? So right. that uh, as we engage this work, and, and so anyway, so that's, you know, the episodes that Sean and I are thinking about this, this next season, that's, that's the place we want to go to, a place where, you know, our podcast isn't going to recommend policies, but hopefully it's a place where you can listen to dumbasses like me fumble over language, and, but then get to a place where I, oh, that's what I've been trying to say. That's how I meant to say it, right, et cetera. So it's effective. I mean, and safe in, in that, if, if you say something that is offensive where people will forgive you, for for it right i mean like for real it's like i look i need forgiveness and grace every day every minute of my day and so you know it's it's like look i i know i speak with a very strong point voice passion all of this stuff it's like just understand it's like look at the baseline of me as a person it's like if, if anyone interacts with me long enough I'm, I'm 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 sure that you'll come to a space where you understand it's like look i i forgive I, and i hope people forgive me because i'm going to say what i need to say what i feel like i need to say um, and yet at the same time, you know, I can, I can give that same forgiveness back to folks, right? Um, because I, I just, like I said, I, I need people to forgive me because I need to say this and I might not have the best words. I might not have the way of saying it, but it needs, I feel like it needs to be said. And that to me is, uh, that's safe also, mm -hmm. right? It's like being able to take risks like that. And it's like, look, meaning that I, like I said, just, I can say it wrong. And, and, and have my, you know, look, and have my, like, look, Kennedy's book, I'm, I, there's, there's some spaces in there. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm racist compared to what he's saying. And I'm like, man, that, that means, right. And I need to work my way through a lot of those things also. And so if I was talking to Kennedy, he's going to have to forgive me for some stuff because I'm saying it in a way that he's yep. describing as racist. And so that's what I mean by that, right? It's like, right. and and that we need to be a lot more comfortable or not a lot. We don't need to be comfortable with that. We need to be a lot more willing to put ourselves in those spaces yeah. uh, because that's what safe means. Right. And I, I think my theme for the whole period of this pandemic has been forgiveness. And forgiveness is so important, not just 
not, not just to forgive others, but to forgive yourself, of course. We have a lot going on, distance learning, trying to get our kids through this, trying to balance all of these different things while not being able to do a lot of things that we want to do. And I think an important point to make is that forgiveness does not require apologies as prerequisites, right? That you, you don't have to hear someone apologize to you to forgive them. And, and you don't have to offer an apology uh, to be forgiven. They usually go hand in hand, but I think we, we might need to rethink those types of things as well. And going back to the leadership, I really want to thank our guests for being part of this three-part conversation, which was actually an hour and a half conversation that we broke up into three episodes. <laughs> going, We probably could have went another three hours on that thing. I think about the diversity of leadership that we brought to the table without even having that intention. We, we had an intention of thinking about diversity and thinking about who would um, provide some really cool perspectives on anti-racism, but we didn't even consider really that Oswaldo, you know, he's a leader on the Senate and a leader at the CLC. Mm-hmm. Chad is the chair, the, the current chair of TREC, the Tenure uh, Review and Evaluation Committee. We have Denise Stevenson, who is, you know, a powerhouse on campus and is the, the faculty director of our writing center. And then Rachel Hastings, who's relatively new to Miracosa, but is already filling such important roles like she is currently with the North County Higher Education Alliance, uh, being the coordinator and representative for Miracosa in, in that space. So it, it's just amazing. We do have that diversity of leadership. They do it in their own ways. And I hope as our audience um, now, now knows, I hope the audience shares with me that, that these are just really um, people that I admire, people that I respect, and people that are so intelligent and give, give us some really, really deep and powerful things to think about, especially when this anti-racist rhetoric and anti-racist um, ter- term is, is something that as a campus we're supposed to be committing to and engaging with. I think the perspectives that they provide are going to give everybody much more context and nuance, which is kind of, we're kind of in the business of that, right? In academics. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Well, I'm looking forward to this new season of Reteach as well. And thankful to you, Bruce, for, um, you know, do, doing this collaboration with us. Bruce, what, what can people expect from Reteach during the fall and maybe into the spring? You know what? I'm uh, I'm glad you asked that question. I'm going to tell you because with with all the stuff happening with the pandemic, I I literally was uh, thinking about not doing it anymore. But I reconsidered, <laughs> like literally, but before I pushed the button on recording uh, for for this semester, I was I was thinking all the way until the moment I pushed that button of should I keep doing this, uh, right? But um, you're, what you're going to hear is a lot more of. Um, what I would just consider like the ones that are really focused on teaching is like I, I talk a lot right in different spaces and really try to get people uh, on board and move people towards a space of, of understanding that not only do we need to be good at teaching but just being good at teaching doesn't mean that you're equity minded right? right and that being a good teacher you can still have equity gaps in those spaces um, and, and everything. And so I'm going to go way more uh, on the practical, uh, fill the air quotes on that folks, right? Um, that way more on the practical side 
of things. My first two episodes have already been about Zoom and my just my experiences of it. And I didn't want to go at the the I wouldn't say it like this at the at the nerd level that y'all go that the people who teach online and who have interacted with this thing uh, in, in other ways it's like I didn't want to go at it that at that because I'm not that person right it's like I wanted to literally just go at it and talk about it like a person who's very new at it and I did that's and and, and a person who's very extroverted and who really you know and who's really you know desiring to connect with students. Um, in, in that way and to how to use this thing versus, you know, um, being, uh, like I said, more philosophical in a lot of the spaces that I'm going into. And so um, there's that. But then there's also two other podcasts that we're going that I'm going to be starting. I don't think there'll be, uh, well, there, one of them is definitely not under uh, reteach. It's, uh, it's actually under strange fruit sociology. Um, yes, that reference is exactly how we meant to say it, and for a lot of different reasons, but it's a coming back together of uh, uh, Dr. now Anthony Blackshire uh, and myself, and um, uh, it's called Late Night Office Hours with Ant and Bruce, and we literally are having late night office hours, um, meaning on Thursdays at 10 p.m., <laughs> we're having an office hour for our students um, but we're also like spending the first half hour just recording um, and just talking about what's going on in our week and everything. And so that's that's been really exciting. And then um, Shantae Mitchum and I were, were actually going to uh, take on a task that I don't think Miracosta really understands that we need yet, but to um, to really talk about like that, the, the book, um, So You Want to Talk About Race. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm blank on the, the author's name. Forgive me for that, folks. But um, and we're going to take it piece by piece and talk about race. That's what, <laughs> and chapter by chapter. And um, to do to do that and really, you know, I don't want to say show people how it's done because both her and I are critical race theory people. But um, to really just talk and just write about race and to connect it to Maricosta versus, you know, taking it all in the abstract, right? And so that's what we're doing. <laughs> that's what I'm going to be doing and spending my nights and uh, in, in, in days and whatever doing and a hell of a lot of editing though. I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wish I had a crew like y'all so I could just, I could farm that editing out. But yeah, it's, it, it is what it is though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are exciting projects. I, I can't wait to listen to those. Um, over here on our in our neck of the woods, we're we're gonna continue on with some of the stuff we've been doing, but we're gonna we're gonna switch things up for the Safe Topics podcast. We're gonna have some new segments, some shorter episodes. We're gonna get some more student involvement, and but we're we're not gonna abandon the formula. We're we're still gonna have our one word conversations with really cool people. Uh, I feel like that has been our staple, and we're gonna continue on with it. Yeah, and actually, so along those lines, we're thinking for one of our episodes, we want to do kind of a live episode, make it like a more of a flex workshop that we record as a podcast, um, nice. and make the focus of that workshop about using these kinds of mediums in our classrooms, right? So building a maybe a, a final project as a podcast that students can collaborate in, do it individually, whatever, you know, and so what are the nuts and bolts of that? What's the pedagogy behind a, an approach like that? Um, what, what are some hiccups to, to avoid? We've got colleagues doing it already. Um, Jake Strona does a, 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 an audio medium sort of oral storytelling in his uh, English classes. So, uh, so that'll be something, Bruce, maybe we can circle around and get you to, to be a part of. 
Hey, look, uh, clearly it's like, look, and, and not, not that I've ever been opposed to, you know, being in these spaces or whatever, but it's like, look, I, I desperately need a human interaction. <laughs> it's like, so I'm, I'm literally like saying yes to everything. It's like, what, you want to be with it? Yes, yes, yes. Just, just so I have, I mean, not that I'm not passionate about this, but yeah, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely down. I'm definitely down. I'm looking forward to it. Cool. I know. Keep listening, folks. Listen, listen to safe topics. Listen to reading. Go watch some Korean dramas. <laughs> Be nice to each other. Peace. <laughs> Take it easy, folks. This episode was produced and engineered by Kelly Barnett. James Garcia handles our show notes and social media for the Safe Topics podcast. You can find uh, Reteach on Apple Podcasts and uh, Spotify. Those are the places that people listen to me the most. Thanks for listening. <laughs>